Dogfish Head and Sam Adams rolling around in the sheets together now. A craft beer Twitter fight takes an unexpected turn. Want to learn how to lose 44 pounds? I don't know. It's all beer? Welcome to It's All Beer, news from Macro, Micro, Pico, Nano, and maybe even Fento. That's right, I know my Greek free friend. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Tyler? Oh, doing pretty good. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing great. I'm, I've had a good day. Uh, uh, research. It's not often we get breaking news on this podcast. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I'm really glad we didn't try to film this on Wednesday. <laughs> But before we get into it, let's uh, let's talk about what we're drinking here today. Uh, so we're drinking a juicy, clearly not hazy IPA from Double Mountain Brewing out of Hood River, Oregon. The name got me because we've talked so much about it's a love-hate with hazy IPAs for most people. And I was a little disappointed. It is slightly hazy. I was kind of hoping it'd just be crystal clear. Yeah, I was kind of... I feel like it should, but almost... It almost, uh, it's lacking a lot of the flavor I feel like a, a hazy or, or should have. It almost, you know what, it almost tastes like a Brute IPA and that doesn't have much malt backbone. Uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit there. I, I think there is some citrus in that. I don't think it's quite juicy, but I don't think it's quite to the Brute point. Even fair enough, but I don't know. I was always expecting more of a, a hot burst with these uh, Northeast IPAs, but uh, yeah, Tyler, let's uh, let, let's get into... Breaking news, uh, as of a few hours ago, actually, um, holy shit, Dogfish Head and Sam Adams. Yeah, I mean, I thought Dogfish Head was going to be the one to fully just die on the hill, never sell out. Uh, I mean, I guess they're saying it's a merger of the two companies. Uh, I'm like, normally in a merger, one person is buying the other to bring in. One person is doing it from a position of power, usually. Um, And so with this, it's... And also Dogfish Head is being, the owners uh, are being paid in Boston Beer stock, as well as Sam will be joining Boston Beer's board of directors. So, I mean, I don't know. Is there, the difference between a full-on sale and a merger, I feel like is a distinction without a real difference. I mean, we two companies are going to become one. And it's probably going to be called Sam or Boston, Boston Beer, Beer Company. Company. It's probably not going to be called Boston Dogfish Head. No, not. unless they decide to take a page out of Imbev's book. I mean, that's that, that's a possibility. So, I guess this the big question this brings up for me is, what does this do for Sam Adams and even Dogfish Head's claim of uh, of independence? You know, being independent breweries. So I know, like, Dogfish Head has been, uh, both of these breweries, you know, big pioneers of craft, want to grow craft as much as they can, also both push for the independent craft seal, as well as both proudly display it. I know Dogfish Head was in talk saying that they're going to put it predominantly on a lot of their six-pack boxes, uh, just to really show that, hey, we are independent. According to the article I read, it said with the merger, they'll both be able to keep their independent status. But then again, it's not sounding completely right to me. I'm like, because if Boston Beer is acquiring Sam Adams and they are merging, someone's got to lose their status, right? I mean, well, I, I think a lot of craft beer geeks 
have always cast a little suspicious eye at Boston Beer Company because the Craft Beer, not Craft Beer Alliance, that's the one that's owned, that owns Kona, which is a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. The what is the organization? The um, Brewers Association. Thank you. The yeah, the Brewers Association that has pioneered, well, has that has pushed for the uh, the independence label. Their definition seems to have been up to this point. Whoever, uh, if you make whatever Boston Beer Company makes or less, you can be independent. They recently upped it to include uh, Yingling. Okay. Uh, so because they're the oldest family-run brewery in America, but they made more than Boston Beer, so they weren't considered craft. Okay, so fair enough. They, I, I think the last time they upped it, they upped it to include Ying, DG Yingling and Sons. Okay. So, so but I, I kind of maintain my point. You know, um, at some point in time, I feel like that label is going to mean less. And, you know, corporations like Miller Coors, Pabst, or or even AB InBev, at some point in time are going to say, and are going to be right to say, hey, you know what? Why can't we put that label on our beer? Because, you know, we are we, we own a lot of breweries too. What's, what's the difference between what you're doing and what we're doing? So, I mean, the big thing with this is it has to be independent. It has to fall under the craft lines, which there's more than just uh, being under a certain barrel. It's uh, being independently owned, so you're not owned by another company in the brewing industry. Have to be, or if they are part owners, they have to be less than twenty five percent. Okay, fair. Uh, as well as you have to use traditional ingredients. Can't be using. Uh, different like adjuncts and flavorings. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, cr- the cream ale style uses adjuncts, which that doesn't disqualify. But Fair. it's using just like straight up corn syrup instead <laughs> of. There is there was a stat that the average craft brewer uses eight times more grain per batch of beer than uh, an equivalent batch that would be made at like. A B InBev. That makes sense. They have they have the uh, technology to get upwards upwards, and I think past 100 percent efficiency, which is a bit so for for the for uh, uh, those who don't understand uh, when we say efficiency uh, in brewing, it basically means you have a pound of grain, you should be able to get X amount of sugar from it, and if you get Y amount of sugar, X over Y or Y over X is your efficiency. Yes, and that's why. AB InBev uses the rice syrup and Miller Coors uses the corn syrup. Is It's a cheap way to get very high efficiency without a lot of grain. So, I mean, we kind of got off into the weeds, but I mean, yeah, there there is a there is a difference, and I'm not saying... I mean, AB InBev clearly doesn't want any part of this, but why wouldn't they... Why wouldn't 10 Barrel or... or, uh, or... So it created a whole stink when this came out. 10 Barrel and Elysian and everyone was coming out saying hey you know we're still craft breweries we still make craft beer but we can't be defined as craft or you know we can't have this seal this is bullshit you know we're getting picked on here and where this whole comes in is so the brewers association owns the rights to that image and those words associated with that correct they are doing that because there has been so much consolidation and they want to make sure that if a consumer wants to focus on a local or a independently owned brewery and doesn't want to send pad the pocketbooks of a corporate conglomerate they can actually go through and go oh that seal 
Yes, and it's free to any brewery to use. As You have to apply for it. It is literally send them an email of how many barrels you produce, that you're not owned by another brewery, and that you will use it in accordance to how they want it marketed. So basically not use it in a derogatory manner. Fair. Now the definite, but now Dogfish Head is essentially now is owned by another another uh, brewery. Yeah, so that's where I, I see it getting tricky unless there's, claiming this as a merger where it's going to go into two and then it'll be boston beer company which owns sam adams truly mike's hard all yeah that well somehow reorganizes itself to incorporate both i'm not exactly sure how it's going to work the way i always understood this is this was a push to keep to to make it transparent to customers what they were buying you know what to make it clear that you know if you're buying you know Sorry to keep on picking on 10 Barrel, but you're owned by AB InBev, so not sorry. Or Goose Island. Or Goose Island, or Kona. Elysian. Yeah. I mean, so that you knew that when you were buying that beer, you were not buying, you know, an independent... You weren't buying beer from an independent, small independent brewery. You were buying beer. if you still want to buy it, awesome. Yeah. That's fine. But let's let's call a spade a spade here. But it was trying to... It was trying to... Educate uh, the consumer so that they knew that if they that they thought they were buying a, a craft beer from a small brewery, they weren't accidentally picking up something owned by Miller Coors, or they they weren't thinking Blue Moon was craft. Exactly. This seems to then run completely afoul of that because although I, I yes Sam Adams is craft, but they're getting to be a pretty major corporation. You know how is that not a little misleading to say you know if you're buying Dogfish Head. If you somehow did not pick up this news that, and for whatever reason you didn't want to, didn't want to support Sam Adams, I don't know because they were they were originally started up with Enron money. Let's not forget that. By the hey, way, that, that's <laughs> off over here. We forgot about that. I didn't. I I still remember that. Dirty money, still money. <laughs> that that was that was Ken Lay's uh, uh, original uh, investment. I mean. Not saying that uh, uh, that Cook had anything uh, anything involved in that, other than thank you for the money, Mister Lay, and I'm going to go start a brewery. Yeah, but well, it was started with Enron money, so I could understand why someone would be like, hey, I don't know if I want to buy Sam Adams beer, or they're just huge. But that the transparency seems to be going away now. I I get that. Uh, in the article, I did find something pretty interesting. Uh, they were actually talking about how with the merger. They will still be less than 2% of the total beer market in the United States. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy to think when you have just that much volume. I mean, Dogfish Head's on track to produce 300,000 barrels of beer uh, So this year. So if you don't know, a barrel of beer is 31 gallons. So 300,000 times 31, do the math. That's mm-hmm. a lot of gallons of beer. I mean, we've talked a little bit about you know how this how this could be bad this has to be a this has to be advantageous too because dogfish head now gets access to sam adams infrastructure i i I would assume i'm assuming that probably expanded distribution i mean you can find boston lager pretty much anywhere in this country yes uh access to you know bigger facilities uh probably a little bit upgraded quality lab and then sam adams gets the added boost of you know lifting in the sales um a higher price point margin item i mean dogfish head ain't no cheap beer no it's not it's delicious beer but dear god yeah um and so 
I, I see why they're framing it as a merger because it's going to benefit both sides. But it, it seems like a friendly purchase. <laughs> it's it's there's something yeah you can call it a merger, but again, it's two companies are going to become one, and it's probably called be called Boston Beer Company. That's it's, that means you got bought. Yeah. I don't know. Is there any other aspect by which we look at it at this point in time, or is it just holy shit? This happened. Now we wait to see what what the fallout is. Yeah, I, I am curious to see. You know, and I know in some of the articles that I've seen floating around the internet, they've talked to customers, and some customers are like, "Oh, whatever. I'll, I'm, as long as the beer quality doesn't drop, I'm going to drink it." Other like, "No, you know, we we love that it was you know that local Delaware, and that that was our local spot." They were hardcore. I was I when I traveled through Delaware, um, and for some strange reason, reason I'd not, not put together in my head that Dogfish Head was in Delaware because Delaware is not a place as far as I'm concerned. Now, and that will end this podcast in Delaware, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but uh, but I I remember asking somebody about it, and they were proud of. I mean, that was their that was their joint. I mean, they were they oh, were yeah. to Dogfish Head what uh, Pittsburgh was to the goddamn Steelers. I mean, my <laughs> God. Um. So yeah, I guess I could see that in their home state, in their hometown, they may people will be a little disaffected. But I do think also overall, most beer consumers fall into the latter category, so long as they are keeping up their quality. And it, even and even I, I'm like, Sam Adams, I will mess around with their variety packs, because especially their winter variety pack is still like an annual purchase for me, because... It's, they make some decent beers. They, you know, it's it's really it's simple mainstream craft beer, but it's delicious. But it's consistent. It is you can find it anywhere you go. If you're in a random airport, you can almost guarantee they got a Boston Lager handle right next to the button cores. <laughs> so if those are the three handles, I'm taking Boston Lager. So I guess in your so. view. Net positive for craft beer, net net loss. What do you, or is it, or does it, or isn't even on the factor? Uh, I I don't see it as a loss right now. I mean, there were a couple people that said, well, at least it's not in Bev. <laughs> so you got that going for it. I know, uh, or Boston Beer Company's been taking some hit in their uh, stocks lately, but uh, this deal should close. Uh, late second quarter of this year so be looking for that over kind of the middle of summer uh this deal should become official sam calione's going to be going to the board of directors for boston beer company in 2020 and we'll see just how it plays out from here all right well uh keep an eye on that and we'll see uh, how this all shakes out okay twitter feud news now <laughs> this actually came from uh the beer street journal um, this week, Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, teased the 99-pack for $99, as in 99 beers for $99. <laughs> yes, we're talking about this, this Tyler. <laughs> the, problem, the problem, as Twitter users quickly pointed out, was that... They weren't the first to do it. Exactly. Austin Beer Works did it first. Uh, Chris Finari of uh, Brewbound was among the first that pointed this out. With a picture of uh, the proposed 99-pack right next to Austin Beer Works 99-pack. Now, Austin Beer Works uh, understandably got a little snarky on Twitter uh, right after this um, and made some comment about, 
I can remember exactly what it was, but um, about hey, not you know, way to way to take our idea, ass faces. To which the GM of Pabst, uh, Mike Braun, tweeted, quote, good ideas should be shared, enjoy responsibly. Um, Austin Brewworks pointed out that there's a slight difference between uh, sharing and stealing, and I'll bet you know where this is going from here. Uh-huh. You know you don't. <laughs> this is where it takes an interesting twist. So. No cease and desist? No. Apparently, right after this, Austin Brewworks and Matt Braun did this weird thing uh, called a phone call. Um, for those of you who don't understand, um, this is kind of like texting, but with spoken words. Um, actually, it's a bit like a podcast with only one person listening. So actually, it's pretty much exactly like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they have to get on the phone, spin the dial, tell... The big... Yeah. Yeah. They, they talked it out, and a little while, little while later, Austin Brewworks tweeted... Pitchforks down, everyone. Just had a really nice conversation with Matt Brune. Um, it's impossible to be mad at somebody with an Australian accent. <laughs> uh, they're working to make things right. And then shortly after that, Paps Blue Ribbon tweeted, Austin Beerworks had an epic idea and put it into the world. Thanks for doing that. Ideas are hard and they don't all stick. We haven't officially announced the 99 pack, so here we are. We want to pay homage to the people who made this idea stick. Takes grit, and the following and what followed was they put out a call to their followers to say, "Well, what kind of pack should we do?" That's it. It actually this was the headline for this really should be adults behave like adults on Twitter. No fucking way. <laughs> this is a thing. Um, so I, I don't know. I just found this. I found this story extremely kind of uh, heartwarming. It was Pabst could have been a gigantic dick like. Another company we talk about all the goddamn time Every on this episode. podcast, <laughs> but they didn't. They they admitted that oh shit we you know whether they knew they were doing it or not they said oh shit our bad we didn't mean to uh, mean to do that and uh, and they walked away and said you know that's it's your idea congratulations no cease and desist no nothing which that's awesome I, I am glad to see that I remember seeing the ninety nine pack in college. Um, on Twitter or something, and I was like, damn. Right about then, I had a buddy move to Austin, and I was like, hey, check that out. (laughs) Uh, But, no, it's awesome to see. It turns out, and, I mean, that's a genius marketing idea, because you turn around and say, hey, you know, what size should we sell this in? And the one that most people vote for, now all of a sudden, you put that out, and everyone that voted for that goes, oh, yeah, that was my idea. I don't drink a lot of Pabst. But I'd feel better about it if I were a consumer, knowing that the people who make the the American lager that I like are not complete dickholes. And let, let's clarify here: it's not their Paps Blue Ribbon; it's their Paps Easy. Was so it it's the Paps- their light lager. Okay. Well, then I failed you a little bit because I thought, in honor of Paps not being dickholes, <laughs> <laughs> we could enjoy. <laughs> A Pabst Blue Ribbon. Um, this is... I don't know. I, I'd when, rather have this than uh, Pabst Easy. So. When, when was the last time you had a Pabst, Tyler? Uh, <laughs> I think my buddy Jordan's graduation party when we bought a keg for 80 bucks. <laughs> so, um, two, so for Pabst Blue Ribbon, for being um, actually pretty swell guys, it's probably the only American light lager we're going to be drinking on this podcast. So I think we need to <laughs> chug this just to... Okay, we're back. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we just chugged the pap. So this is gonna this podcast is gonna go right downhill from there. We actually did chug it. Jeremy's just terrible at recording. So <laughs> hey, you know this whole this whole shit is new to me. So you know we I gotta get a camera set up in here and um. Anyway, there's also one more there's one more aspect of this story that I really liked. This is my favorite little fact to come out of this. Um, Matt Brune, at some point in time during this whole thing, I don't know if it was when he tweeted this, but he tweeted out, who really invented the six-pack? Well, Chris Funari responded to, uh, to that comment with an article from uh, the American Beer Museum that actually Pabst Blue Ribbon uh, is credited with uh, inventing the, inventing the six-pack. Do you know why, Tyler? Why? Because after a lot of research... Um, they discovered that six was the ideal number for the size and weight for the American housewife to bring home. So, Ooh. <laughs> so Ooh, bad press. <laughs> Ooh, bad press. So you know it was going along really well, and then it kind of took a little turn. But anyway, so there's some history for you all. Uh, that's why. Uh, that's why uh, we, we drink a six pack because at uh, in the 1950s, um, you know, we were a nation of sexist bastards. Parfur, of course. Fair enough. <laughs> Tyler, what's next? So, the next is I found our new diet, Jeremy. Oh, thank God. Tell me it's nothing but beer. It is. So, an Ohio man loses 44 pounds with a liquid diet consisting of beer for 46 days. So, I found uh, Fox 59 on their website uh, out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh they talk about how a lot of people will give up something for Lent, like usually beer or alcohol. Well, one guy decided to go a different way. He decided to give up food and liquid besides beer. He was inspired by monks uh, back in the 1600s that give up solid food for Lent and only drink Doppelbox because mm-hmm. it's full of nutrients, um, You know, got a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar, could keep him going for the 40 days. So he decided to document this all on social media, as well as had a doctor keeping an eye on him to make sure he wasn't injury to himself. Uh, apparently he works for a brewery out of Cincinnati called 50 West Brewing Company. Uh, and so he just spaced out his deer- beers throughout the day so he's not getting shammered all the time. He lost, like I said before, 46 pounds. And he goes, craft beer is the way to go. Uh... His blood pressure and cholesterol improved after his 46-day diet. (laughs) Uh, He also then told it was super difficult to avoid solid food the whole time. Uh, And right after he finished that, uh, after he made it to Easter Sunday, he went and had some guacamole. He said best guac he's ever had. (laughs) Um, I think... I've read about a couple of people attempting this and, uh, you know, trying to see if... Trying to do running this experiment to see what it was like for these uh, for these medieval monks to give up food for Lent and drink nothing but beer, and um, it's it's interesting first of all that your body can do this, mm-hmm. um, although you got protein, you got carbohydrates. Yeah, and one thing I've always said to people who are like, oh, you got to do this fad diet to lose weight. I'm like, no, losing weight is nothing but eating or ingesting more calories. Then you are ingesting fewer calories than you burn. Ingesting more calories has got what got you where you are today. Yes. Uh, <laughs> AKA 90% of Americans. Uh, but no, if you ingest fewer, you're going to lose weight. It's not rocket science. It's 
willpower. I guess I've always, and I every time I find one of these stories, I'm always fascinated to, to listen to the uh, listen to the stories of the uh, of, of what they're going through. Um, I remember four or five years ago, um, a guy uh, a guy attempting this experiment. He worked for a he worked for either a magazine or a newspaper, and um, he almost stopped at some point in time when he started hallucinating, but he apparently was fine after that. I was gonna say so from. What I could gather in this article, you know, he didn't have any ill effects. He was checking with the doctor daily, and he was spacing out his beers throughout the day, so... Did it say how much he was drinking per day? No, it didn't. Okay. Because um, I think one of, them I, one of them who attended it said he would have three pints a day and then four on weekends, which... I don't know if that seems like enough for... No. I think Guinness is like 200 calories. Sounds about right. It's basically a meal in a, in a can. Not really, though. <laughs> if you're running the 2,000 calorie diet... Oh, trust me. I, 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 There was a small portion of time where I decided I want to lose a few pounds, and I figured out how fast I eat 2,000 calories, and it's disgusting. Oh, yes. When I include beer, which is about 1,000 calories a day. <laughs> but it's... Yeah. I mean, I had a good friend in college that lived off Natty Light and Top Ramen. Uh, <laughs> still don't know how he did it. Uh, in college, you that's what you do in college. I'm sure he can still do it to this day. Uh, no, I, I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it's just a true testament to the human body. We are amazing creatures who can live off nothing but booze and shame. And that's really all you need. All right. Fight for your growler news now. Um, I can't, actually came across this story researching the whole Pabst Brew Works uh, debacle. Um, another fun fact, um, Texas is the only state in the Union where it is illegal to take beer home from a brewery. Uh, to sell packaged beer of any kind, Texas breweries have to can or bottle it and then sell it to a distributor who then sells it to a retailer. But if you want your growler or your crowler or whatever... Right now, you are SOL JWF. Shit out of luck and jolly well fucked. But there's a big push right now to try to change that. The new law, it just passed the House of Representatives last month, um, and it's going up for a vote in the Senate very soon. Rare, a rare thing, it seems to enjoy bipartisan support. Um, it's the, the, push, it's, the motion is billed as a way for breweries, especially small breweries, to compete with larger operations by being able to offer that additional service. Be able to take your take their beer home, which is something I think we take for granted in, in anywhere anywhere else in the country. Especially Idaho. I know, if I remember correctly, I think some people who were trying to work on this bill uh, actually got a hold of the Brewers Guild up here uh, and did some research up here because, I mean, in the Treasure Valley here specifically, there's a growler station in every gas station. There's You can get a growler at every grocery store. It's very well taken for granted and kind of pushed to the side because we have so many options to get growlers. We're just like, ah, fuck, I don't want to take home another glass. I, I mean, you've kind of hit you've kind of hit something there because I I see growlers almost fading away. Now I don't know. Um, you know, we uh, when I worked for a grocery store, they briefly considered bringing a growler station. Then they phased start phasing all of them away just because they weren't making any money. Um, there's still a few gas stations where you can pick up a growler, but they're starting to lose their luster. I don't know. I, I, you working at a brewery? How much? How much do you do in uh, growler sales and uh, and and the like? We, so we do a growler special every Sunday down at our brewery, and on that day, yeah, we move through a shit ton. We also started. If you're a member of our brewery, you get a growler special throughout the week. There, we'll get some, but 
there was a point in time where we didn't have any growlers for sale because we just it took us like two years to move through the pallet of growlers that we bought because <laughs> people were like i want a growler i just don't want the glass and we're like oh well fuck yeah well i speaking as someone who has about ten thousand growlers and fills them maybe twice a year mm-hmm. yeah i understand they're just not and and the hard part is growlers were a cool novelty uh, you know, five, six years ago, because you're like, oh, look at this jug of beer. But a six-pack's a better buy. You get more ounces, usually cheaper, and you don't have to drink it all in one sitting. I mean, most people do, but you don't have to. I understand those people who can't drink an entire growler in one sitting, and I don't understand those people. Yeah, so I'm like, I get it, because most growlers around here in the Treasure Valley area are about 12 14 bucks. Well, I guess uh, let me ask you this before we uh, before I continue on this story. What if for some bizarre reason Idaho decided we're doing away with that? You can't you yet you, you can sell beer, but you can't take it home. How much business do you think you'd lose? Is it, it is it enough to collapse your business, seriously hurt, or you'd be you wouldn't notice? Uh, it would seriously hurt because uh, for the big part for us, we do a lot of bottle and can and growlers, more bottle and can sales. Uh, after someone comes in for a pint, we'll always try to ask, hey, any bottles or cans to go? Most people will usually buy. We have some people that come in just to buy a case of some of our cans once a week. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there is that, too, because you have the option of just bottling your beer or canning it and selling it mm-hmm. right out of there. But this, that's also something they can't do. You have to go through a distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know we do one of the local farmer's markets here where I'm out selling bottles and cans at a Saturday market. That, it acts as a second tap room. So with this law, we wouldn't be able to do that. And that's usually a couple hundred dollars every Saturday that we normally wouldn't get. Oh. So, I mean, it it kind of confirms what I already thought. That, like, this is, just a, this is just common sense legislation. This should go through, no problem. So, let's talk about reasons why it probably won't. Well, I, I don't know. Why it, pro- it might not go through. Because the bad news is is that this is all part of a larger bill called the TABC Sunset Bill, the Texas Alcohol Beverage Control Bill. Mm. Um, this gets very confusing very quickly. I spent, I spent a good hour, hour and a half, two hours at work. Um, sorry, Eli, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure out what, this, what the actual, this actually means. But here are the highlights as near as I can tell. Um, uh, let me just go ahead and uh, qualify all of this. This is what I was able to pick up uh, by reading a few articles. I may have got it wrong, and I apologize if I did. Um, but here's the bottom line. Texas has alcohol laws that would make the leaders of the Mormon church come in their pants. Um, and Idaho has a fuck ton of Mormons, and we are super liberal on alcohol, except n- no privatized liquor stores. Um, and Well, that's, I mean, th- and that's uh, the big thing right here, because, I mean... Well, here's among their laws, and these get interesting. So this all comes from uh, Catherine uh, Martin of the Texas Tribune. You can't buy – this most has to do with liquor, but you can't buy liquor at Costco or Walmart or or any other publicly traded corporation. You have to have a – you have to be a private or family-owned uh, company with a liquor – to get a liquor license in Texas. Okay. Which is – I mean – I can get behind that. That sort of makes sense, except check this out. You can only have five liquor licenses unless you owned a liquor store before 1949, in which case you can have as many as you want. So this is so basically this means that 
if you're ever in Texas, there's a place called Specs. And um, another one. But these are everywhere. And the reason they're everywhere is because they're owned by rich Texas families who have kind of got in on a loophole. But if you own a liquor store, you can't be open on Sunday. And you have to be open from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. So a lot of this, a lot of these rules have to do with these great big, like two or three families who own these massive, uh, 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 massive companies in Texas who are stonewalling these laws. Um, As they do. Yeah, here's another fun. Here's another fun thing. Once a brewery reaches a certain size, they have to give their distribution rights to a distributor, not sell like most breweries would do. They have to give them away. This is actually under the Texas Supreme Court right now, but so in Idaho, breweries cannot sell their distribution rights anymore. Oh, is that right? So I know Payette sold their distribution rights when they originally went from self-distributing to Hayden Beverage. Uh, that is no longer allowed. Uh, Idaho ABC ruled that as aid to retailer. <laughs> uh, this is a whole nother episode if uh, someone wants to get in. But the funny yes, th- so we can't do that here either. The funny, the funny thing is, is I was kind of going down this list. I'm going, well, yeah, I can't do that in Idaho. Can't do that in Idaho. Can't do that in Idaho. You know what? I mean, after you guys are done in Texas, come over here. We need to get a few of these laws changed. And the good news is, is that there's something in Texas... Um, once every 20 or 30 years, the Texas legislature brings up the Alcohol Control Board, looks at the law books, and sees which laws still work and which ones are worth like worthless, archaic laws that restrict personal freedom and benefit only a few large, wealthy Texas families like these ones. Um, all of these laws I've mentioned are actually on the uh, Texas Sunset Bill, except right now for the, um, for the take-home beer law. Which is still still needs to be voted to get on the bill. Now this is where it gets a little bit confusing. But as I understand it, they have to vote the they have to vote this amendment onto the bill, and then see if the bill will pass. Despite um, what's no doubt going to be huge uh, uh, pushback from the owner of Sparks and the other big uh, uh, the other big dis- the uh, other big liquor store owners in Texas. So. Um, I don't know what the chances of take home the take home beer motion is gonna gonna take off, but it seems to be enjoying. A, it obviously enjoys a lot of support, so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Whether or not um, I, I wonder about the backlash if they don't get it through. Uh, I think it'll make it on the bill. If the bill doesn't make it through, it's not gonna be because of that section. It'll be because of one of the actual liquor laws, uh, and I think that's partially why. Those people from Texas came up here to actually see about uh, some of the take-home beer laws because we have similar liquor laws in the state. Yeah. So I think that was part of the reason why they were like, hey, you know, this state does all this stuff and they have similar liquor stuff. Let's just change this on the beer side so you can help small companies. Well, and I did. I did enjoy one little comment at one point in time in this article, and we'll uh, we'll post a link to this article in the show notes. But uh, one senator or representative admitted that, well, at least tried to spin these laws as, "Listen, Texans drink a lot. We're just trying to keep them from drinking as much as a Texan would drink if given complete freedom." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> to which I reply, "You obviously don't know Texans because." A simple uh, being closed on Sunday is not going to stop them. That means they buy more on Saturday. Or you know what? They start making lawnmower fuel. <laughs> yep. 
Not that I would know anything about that. Or, that would... I mean, as a home homebrewing, you can make 100 gallons a year per adult in the house. So, I mean, you know, I can, I can go for quite a while on a couple hundred gallons of beer. Is that per adult or per human? Per adult. God damn it. Legal <laughs> drinking adult. So you could almost make seven barrels of beer in your house. All right. Well, um, uh, tell my wife we're ramping up the brewery and uh, <laughs> moving to Texas. Except none of those things are happening. Texas is a terrible place. I'm sorry if you're listening in Texas, but uh, <laughs> I've been there. Um, with the exception of Austin, which is awesome. And, of course, Austin Brew Works, which is uh, probably also very awesome. I don't know. I haven't had your beer yet. Send us up some beer. Uh, we would have been chugging your we would have been chugging your beer if you if it was available here, but it isn't because of your archaic brew law. So, um, <laughs> good luck. Uh, good luck at uh, trying to change some of those, Tyler. Um, this is actually our longest episode <laughs> to date. Damn. <laughs> Anything to add? No, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Well, uh, this has been It's All Beer. You can find us on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, at It's All Beer. You can email, email us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. And be sure to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you use because, you know, we just chugged a past blue ribbon and we need to feel good about ourselves now. <laughs> Help us not drown our sorrows. All right, well, uh, that's all for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Uh, Go drink a beer. Have fun. Have fun.